0: And we're live for another episode of Athletic Insights. We're joined here by our guest, Deshaun Stevens, former uh, Waterloo Warrior. Deshaun, why don't you just take this opportunity to uh, tell, tell our viewers a little bit about uh, a little bit about yourself and some of the uh,
1: companies and organizations that you've gotten involved with recently. Oh, uh, yeah. First of all, thank you for having me on your show, Zach. I really do appreciate it. Love everything you're doing. Um, but yeah, my name is Deshaun Stevens, a recent graduate from the University of Waterloo. I uh, majored in speech communication and business while I was there. Um, While I was there, I had the great opportunity to uh, play football for four years as well as play rugby for one year. Um, So that's my history as an athlete. Uh, But I really do take pride in a lot of things I did off the field. Um, Mm -hmm. So when we talk about organizations, when I was in my fourth year, I started a sports media company called Persevere. Um, So Persevere is a sports media company that aims to showcase Canadian university sports. So as former university athletes here in Canada, one of the biggest things that we all notice is that uh, university sports here in Canada doesn't get much media attention, especially when you compare it to the NCAA, right? Where they're basically treated like professional athletes. Mm -hmm. Um, So my goal with Persevere when I first started, it was really just to be able to showcase the great athletic products that we have in this country and really just kind of give that uh, praise and that recognition to all the hard athletes that um, work day in and day out in this country, because at the end of the day, you know, they deserve that recognition and they deserve that spotlight as well. So first thing I have for you
0: is what, where did the drive to start your company come from? So, you know, your first, fourth year university, you're a young entrepreneur, you get this idea. Where did you start?
1: Yeah. So basically the way it started was, um, I was actually rejected by a journalism job. So, Uh, my entire life, I had this whole passion of wanting to become a journalist. And I kind of gave up that passion when I came to Waterloo because um, I I really want to study journalism going into university, but I always thought that journalism was too specific of a topic. And I really wanted to go to Waterloo because it was a great school, Um, but there was no journalism program. So I I studied in speech communication and business instead. Um, So by automatically not studying journalism, I already kind of put myself one step behind when it came to like aspiring to become a journalist in the future. So what I did when I was in my fourth year was I actually applied to work with the school newspaper and I wanted to cover sports. Um, and they actually had this position called a uh, social media coordinator. where you get to run the, the Instagram page, Twitter page, YouTube channel, all that stuff. And I was like, okay, I wanna apply for this. Um, and so I remember I applied and they told me, cool, where's your portfolio? And I was like, I don't, I don't have a portfolio, but I know I can do the job. I promise you I could do the job well, <laughs> you know? Yeah. And um, they said, sorry, no portfolio, then we're not hiring you. We don't even want to continue this discussion. And so I said, okay, okay. So this was, uh, yeah, January 2019. And so I said to myself, okay, I'm going to create a portfolio so that the next year, when I'm in my fifth year, when I apply for this job, I have something to show for. Um, and that's how I started Persevere. I kind of sat down and I said to myself, okay, Mm, okay. let's let's create an instagram page right let's do something journalism related and let's see where it goes so that i can have a year's um worth of work to show for in 2020 january 2020 when i actually apply for the job and so that's really how persevere started it was really just me getting rejected by a job um and starting my own thing and then <laughs> it ended up just blowing up and 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 growing from there so yeah and then i actually in sorry. my bad, no. and then i actually i actually did apply for the job in January of this year at uh, at the school newspaper at Waterloo. And um, yeah, I got the job because I was able to like, you know, show what I actually did and and all that stuff. So it was cool. It was cool. Exactly. I mean, that's fantastic. The point I want to reiterate there to
0: the young viewers is uh, you named your company persevere. And just through that little story, I understand. You could have said, Oh, okay. I don't have a portfolio. I only have a year. This isn't my thing, but instead you took the action into your own hand and that's, that's really what I find interesting about what you're doing. So just some context for the viewers at home, me and, is it Deshaun or Deshaun? Deshaun, Deshaun. Deshaun and I have just recently came into communication on Twitter. We were, I believe we were actually um, joining, was it the U Sports football board thing that got us kind of talking? Yeah, yeah, Absolutely. So that, that was over, that was overturned, which is, which is fantastic. But the the point I was trying to make there, sorry, was, um, you know, there was an obstacle in your way and you kept moving through it and now you have persevere your own digital marketing company. So what is your vision for it moving forward and how do you want to use it to uh, kind of help the next generation of athletes coming up?
1: Yeah. So, um, really and truly when it comes to the media part, like I've, um, I've done a great job with that over the last year, like, It started with the Instagram page, and then uh, it kind of turned into doing highlights on YouTube, and then it actually turned into a podcast that we were actually doing in the fall of 2019 and parts of the winter of 2020, and then we kind of stepped away from the podcast because of the whole COVID-19 thing. Um, And then we actually, I actually started uh, writing. So now I have like a, we have a website, and we release articles, and we write about relevant things in Canadian university sports and even professional sports. Um, but in terms of just being able to empower the next generation, my whole vision for this is uh, within the next year or so, I want to be able to launch a nonprofit aspect of Persevere and be able to um, basically use Persevere as a tool for athletic and social growth in low income neighborhoods. Uh, so I, I want to be able to hopefully have a mentorship program so I could use my uh, connections that I've made through being a university athlete, you know, reach out to some of my peers who are athletes and the pros or at the collegiate level and say, hey, I want to set up a program where, you know, you can come and mentor, you know, youth in the city of Toronto. Would you be interested? Right. Give, give athletes that opportunity or, you know, have certain types of, um, whether it be athletic uh, sports programs, you know, where I could say, like, to some of my football player friends, hey, I want to set up a day where, you know, you can come by and, you know, coach some of the kids in the Jane and Finch community here in Toronto. Would you be interested in doing that? Or even one day being able to, to give out, athletic scholarships or just scholarships to individuals from low-income communities who can display how sports has had a positive impact in their life. Um, So I really want to be able to take Persevere and use it to bridge that gap between the youth and the collegiate and professional athletes, because I truly do believe more can be done in this country Mm -hmm. to ensure that collegiate athletes and professional athletes can have a bigger impact on the next generation. So that's my goal with Persevere. Um, and I think it's going to happen pretty soon. So yeah, I just keep pushing forward and you know, things will unfold. So yeah. I mean, that's
0: fantastic. There's, there's just so many similarities between what you're doing and your vision and, and what I'm doing in my vision. So I think we'll definitely be able to do some stuff in the future. Like just for example, um, I had a camp this morning, 25 young athletes out there. And then at the end I had, uh, my friend Jacob white, who was former national volleyball player of the year. He just came and he talked to the kids about working hard in school. So I think we have a a very similar passions and and very similar visions. So I'm really, really glad that you were able
1: to hop on this podcast with us. Yeah, Um, absolutely. And I think um, speaking on what you just said, it just goes to show that there are so many individuals like us in the sports community, right? Like it's not just you and I, like there are so many different entities. Um, And if you know, somehow a lot of different entities can connect with each other. The saying is there's strength in numbers, right? And the saying is also uh, many hands make light work right so when you can connect with people and and connect with people that have the same passions as you um it, it just expands your reach you know and, and i think that's the best thing for for you know the sports community right you've had a lot of different people running camps and a lot of people you know doing stuff that i'm doing right now and it's like a lot of people are looking at it as competition with each other and we have the same goal you know Comp- um,
0: collaborate don't compete exactly exactly 100 percent. so um let's go into i'd love to hear a little bit more about the coaching organization that you are a part of now would you be able to shed some light on that for our viewers
1: yeah so um through uh basically twitter again just like how i met you through twitter um i recently connected with leanne osai who's the head coach of women's basketball at saint francis xavier out east um And she recently started an organization called the BCCA, which stands for the Black Canadian Coaches Association. And um, basically what their goal is, is to establish racial equity for BIPOC members of the sports community here in Canada, right? So um, obviously with the recent civil rights movement that has begun in the United States, um, you know, the great thing is that, you know, it's made its way here to Canada. And um, we're starting to have a lot of difficult conversations and we're starting to realize a lot of holes in various systems, um, Mm -hmm. whether it be governmental systems, whether it be educational systems, and then also the athletic system here in Canada. And it's great that we have a lot of coaches and individuals that have come to realize that. And so um, she reached out to me recently, and um, we kind of talked for a little bit, and she kind of came across some of the stuff that I had written for Persevere. And uh, yeah, she basically, we're working on a media project together to kind of help tell the stories of Um, BIPOC members of the Canadian sports community here in Canada. So we're going to be right now in the process of going through a lot of interviews with a lot of different coaches who have coached at the youth sports level nationally, um, even some of the NCAA who are Canadian. And our goal is to really just shed light on their stories and um, going forward with whatever initiatives that we do, um, really just create that equity here in, in Canada, in our sports community, because like we said, we're focusing like a lot of the focus is on stuff that's going on in the U.S., but Canada has its flaws as well, and um, we got to clean that up too. So, yeah, the Black Canadian Coaches Association is—is is, their goal is to establish racial equity here in Canada um, for collegiate sports.
0: That's super impressive. You have so much on the go, and I'm not sure how you how you're even able to function and do it all. So, you know what? For the day, what does an average day in your life look like right now?
1: Man, like, oh. My days are weird. I'd say like, so right now in my room, I'm in my room and I just have like sticky notes all over the wall (laughs) and it's just kind of like tasks that I have to do or projects that I'm working on. So normally I'll just get up in the morning and uh, I'll get in like some exercise, whatever I need to do. And then um, what I'll just do is I'll take that time to look at the wall and see if there's any like projects I need to get started on. So whether it be an article I need to write, whether it be an interview I need to kind of get done, whether it be a person I need to reach out to, um, see what I need to get done, work on that for a few hours. And then um, just take some time for professional development too. Um, I think one of the things that this uh, whole quote-unquote quarantine has blessed us all with is the opportunity to improve ourselves, Um, whether it be physically, mentally, professionally. Um, So yeah, I, I take a lot of pride in doing a lot of professional development. So for a lot of people out there to take advantage of stuff like free courses that you have online. Like I know a lot of universities are giving out free courses, stuff like that. LinkedIn learning, all that stuff. Um, Google, Google courses. Um, I take a lot of advantage of those things to really kind of just add to my arsenal. But I'd say an average day for me would definitely be just obviously getting that exercise, um, checking out whatever projects I have to kind of complete and then looking about that professional development or that personal development, whether it be even meditation, whatever, maybe doing yoga. Um, but those, th- those three things are really just uh, a core of my day. That's awesome. And then now that, yeah, and then now that basketball's back, I've got to make sure I watch some games too. So Yeah, so I'm, <laughs> I'm right there with you.
0: Basketball is my favorite sport. but I couldn't, <laughs> I couldn't really dribble with the left, so it didn't really work out for me. But um, one thing you and I had spoken a bit briefly was um, the opportunity that the youth sports organization, not even just football, but youth sports in Canada as well as youth sports in Canada, Um, what, uh, what are some things that you would like to see you sports do better? And like, what direction do you think we could move in?
1: Yeah. Um, I recently wrote an article about this. Um, and basically what I kind of talked about briefly was, I think that this hiatus for you sports can be the best thing that's ever happened to them in a while. Um, obviously it sucks because, you know, there are a lot of athletes out there that are going to miss out on a year of playing the sport that they love a year of the sport that they dedicate their lives to. But I do really think, and I'm talking about from a football standpoint, because that's my background, right? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, me too. I think that U sports can do a much better job of really marketing their products, right? Um, really and truly, and, and this, this this goes back to why I started Persevere. Nobody, It's crazy. Nobody knows about the athletic talent that we have in this country. Um, nobody knows about the great athletes that we have walking amongst us right now. Pre- yeah. You know? And um, I think that's a shame. Yeah, I think it's kind of sad. You know, I mean, I, uh, when I was at Waterloo, I played with some great players. I had the opportunity to play with a lot of great players. Um, on the offense, I played, when I played receiver, I got the opportunity to play with receivers such as Richmond and Ketia, who got drafted to the Montreal Alouettes a few years ago. Um, Tyler Ternowski, who just got drafted to the, to the Hamilton Tiger Cats. Um, I played with Gordon Lam, who's one of the <laughs> best receivers in the country right now. I had the opportunity to play with Lam Ding, rest in peace. Um, he was one of the great, best receivers to, to grace the OUA. And it's, it's crazy. Like, these are really talented guys. And not a lot of Canadian football fans know who they are. Mm-hmm. Right? Um, I even played with, like, Trey Ford. Tyler yes, Ford. Trey like, Ford. <laughs> I, I got
0: my eye on that guy.
1: Holy yeah, God. yeah. You know, like, I played with Trey Ford. Like, when I, when I switched to DB, I had to cover this guy. And this guy's running all over the place in practice. And I'm like, who's, who's going to stop this guy? But a lot of people don't know who these individuals are. I think youth sports needs to do a better job of marketing their game, marketing mm-hmm. their talent, um, really, really placing a, a huge spotlight on, on the, the product that we have in this country from an athletic standpoint. Because at the end of the day, like, if you don't place that emphasis on who you have in college, it's kind of like a trickle-down effect or like a
0: mm-hmm.
1: yeah, a trickle-down effect. Because yeah. when, once they go to the CFL, nobody knows who they are. Right,
0: mm, yeah. and it's
1: kind of it's kind of weird. So I think what U Sports needs to work on is learning how to create stars while they're in college or university. Learning how to market players better. Learning how to place more spotlight on the true like talent that they have in this country. Um, that's a huge thing in terms of marketing. Um, also they need to. I think they need to do something to change the actual product of the game and i'm talking a little bit about the playoff system. Okay, i love um, i love i love this topic. So are you
0: referring yeah. to the parity issue?
1: Yes, exactly. Um so yeah, the the playoff system has fallen victim to criticism for the last basically like 10 years. I mean, it's been it's been i mean, i think it's been like 13 years since we've had a uh a team from the AUS make it to the Vanier Cup. I think that was St. Mary's back in yeah. 2007, and that was back when they had no age cap, so they just had a bunch of
0: former CFL guys go back to finish their degree. So it wasn't exactly the same. It wasn't
1: earned, I don't think. Yeah. So I, obviously, like a lot has changed since then, and and because a lot has changed with regards to the age cap, um, the playoff system has fallen apart. Now, when I talk about the playoff system, realistically, on paper. The playoff system actually is really cool because I think it's cool that you have four conferences, right? And you declare a champion in each conference and then you have the champions of all four conferences go head to head and then you have like a it's almost like it's it's almost like a college football playoff type of thing, right? Yep. Um so realistically, I think it works out really well on paper, but it only works out well if every conference is equal, right? It only works wow. out well if every conference like is is just as competitive, and you you don't have any parity, right? So I think because there's that parity, um, because obviously you got unfortunately the AUS isn't really able to kind of you know compete at a national level. Let's
0: let's take a second right here. Okay. The, re- the reason the AUS can't compete on a national level is is yeah. money. It's money exactly. Exactly. Else to it.
1: And so, it's crazy.
0: Yeah. Say what you're saying. I just wanted to kind of the point I'm trying to make is. I've, so I played for a year at Saint Effects, and then I played two years at Bishop's and sat out my last year. So yeah, basically my time at Bishop's is when I was playing. That's how I kind of view the system. So it was really unique. I got to play one year in the RSEQ, and then we flipped and went to the AUS. So yeah. my first game in the RSEQ, um, oh, sorry, my second game actually, my first uh, uh, away game. We 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 go into Montreal, um, you know. Fourteen thousand fans. It's probably the bi- the biggest crowd I've ever played in front of. Really cool experience. But three minutes into the game, we're down twenty-one nothing. My coach, wow. my coach looks at me and says, "Welcome to the RSCQ." Wow. And throughout my time there, I just kind of kept thinking, like, what's what's the problem here? Like, what's so? Then they transfer us to the AUS because of funding issues and yep. and, and talent issues or, or whatever you want to call it. And and then we went zero and eight. It was just, or sorry, one and seven. I think that year. Mm-hmm. One in, one in seven again. So it was the same issue. And then now, because of the COVID and the traveling, there's even talks about Bishops going back into the RSCQ. So no new e-sport, sports just has a whole mess. And they need to listen to the young voices, such as yourself and I, who just left the programs who understand the full scope of the issue. That's all I wanted to get across there.
1: Yeah. When you touch on the funding issue, um, I think it's huge because I, I actually experienced it at Waterloo. Like from the worst case scenario to the best case scenario, so when I got to Waterloo, Waterloo was like one of the worst teams in all of U Sports, right? They were the doormat of, of U Sports and hadn't made playoffs in like fourteen years, whatever. And they were also one of the poorest teams in U Sports. Um, you know they had a bad image, and so nobody wanted to invest in them. They couldn't really get much, um, c- couldn't really get much funding right. or support from their yeah. alma mater, right? Mm-hmm. And then. As time goes by, you know, they learn how to um, heal their relationship with the community and, and get more involved in the community and kind of get more alumni to come back and give money because Waterloo has a lot of rich alumni, right? <laughs> a lot of rich alumni. Thanks, so, so, you know, they get more money and, and as they slowly, the team slowly becomes more and more prosperous financially, the team slowly gets more and more better because they're able to add more and more access to the program. And now it got to the point where when I was leaving the school, they have a field house, like one of the few schools in in the OUA to have a field house, right? And it's pretty cool. And again, like a new, new, like locker room and stuff like that. But it just goes to show money um, really does affect at the end of the day, like how well a team does because it plays a lot in recruiting, right? Um, So you have some of these schools that are like basically like D1 programs, right, like Calgary and Western and Montreal and Laval, and then it's coinc- It's also not that coincidental that they're actually like the best teams in the country,
0: right? <laughs> not at all. You know.
1: <laughs> exactly. So, so I think like we need to do a better job here in Canada of kind of curing that problem, right? Because it, it's it's kind of gone on for too long and it's harmed the game. It's harmed the game to the point where you have a conference um, that basically gets no respect at all. And you, you, if you have a, you know, if you have a Mitchell Bowl and you're facing the AUS, so you're basically calling it a free ticket to the Vanier Cup, right? 100%. It, it kind of what taints if, the serious say saying, Yeah. I was just going to say, what, what do you, what would you want to,
0: how would you uh, mend the playoff uh, format? What,
1: what would you put forward to the board if, uh, if they would listen? So, okay. It's funny because we're talking about financial aspects, right? Right. In a perfect world, the best thing to do would be to actually start making use of the top 10 in my opinion. Um, the top 10, when you think about it right now, is just a list of the hottest teams from a week-to-week basis. And it doesn't really have any implications on playoff seating. It doesn't have any implications on standings, anything, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. In, a per- in a perfect world, what, what would be a great opportunity would just be to take the top 10 at the end of the season and say, like, okay, these are your pl- this is your playoff right here. We're going to have a tournament right here. And, you know, take a two-week break and then start flying teams across the country and having them play. Now, obviously, why mm-hmm. that hasn't happened is because U Sports can't afford it, right? Yep. If, they, if they could afford to fly teams around the country and put them in hotels, they would do it. But unfortunately, they can't, which is the coincidental thing here. It's the irony of it all because money is what started this issue and money is what's, pre- is what's preventing you from solving this
0: issue, right? My, I would say the only issue I would have with using the top 10 is yeah. A- AUS schools get grandfathered into the top 10 when they don't belong there. Absolutely. And I can say this because I played on those teams. Like, it's no disrespect, but, I mean, I think last year, I don't remember who came out. I think, did Acadia win the Acadia. AUS last year? Yep. And Acadia. I think by the end of the year, they were ranked fifth in the country. And it's just not true. They, they're they lucky to be 10th. You know what I mean? They're lucky to be on that list. So. Have you have you given any thought to, like, an Elite Eight system in
1: Canada where you kind of have two tiers of football, like the States? Yeah, so basically a couple years ago, we were kind of talk- – I remember we were talking about this in the locker room at Waterloo, and we were saying, hey, what if there was two tiers, right? You have your Tier 1 with your powerhouse teams, and then, like, you have, like, your Tier 2 with, like, your non-powerhouse teams, like your competitive teams, but, like, can't really compete at a national level. And then you have a thing where – with the tier with the tier two at the end of the season you have the kind of you have one or two successful teams from tier two move up to tier one for the next season and then 100%, with, the, yep. with, the, with tier one at the end of the season you have like the least successful team move into tier two right mm-hmm. and then it's just it, like it's a great idea right but then again again like if we do that um money is the thing like money is the biggest issue and it's just like how do you figure out how to get around the money issue to actually make these things possible? And I think like, I think that's where we root back to marketing the right. game, marketing, right. the product. If you market the product better, right. It, it increases your revenue. Try to increase your revenue. Um, one of the things that I, I talked about recently in one of my articles is that I think the, I think you sports should go back to really trying to pair themselves as much as they can with the CFL.
0: Mm-hmm. Um,
1: some of the glory days from U sports that I can remember, like, I, I think for me personally, like, in my in my 23 years on this earth, like, my fa- my best memories of youth sports was when they used to pair the Vanier Cup with the Grey Cup on the same weekend. Yeah. Like, I think that was amazing, like, to have, like, on the Saturday, or, yeah, on the Saturday, you have the Vanier Cup, and then on the Sunday, you have the Grey Cup. And it's like, when you buy a ticket to the Grey Cup, pay, like, $10, $15 more, and you get a ticket to the Vanier Cup. And then, you know, you put more butts in the seats. Like, being able to watch, I remember when I was, like, when I went in like 2011, being able to watch, um, in 2010, being able to watch LaVallon and McMaster, you know, at, at BC place playing like what was quoted the greatest game ever. Right. It was a great game. And it was so cool to see so many fans there and to see it on national television, right. In Canada. And then to come back a year later and then have them do the rematch in the Rogers center downtown. I'm from Toronto. So the Rogers center downtown, you know, in, in, in the, in the Vanier cup again, like that was amazing. Right. Like that was, those are the glory days of, of U sports. And I think they should go back to trying to increase that partnership with the CFL. Um, so they could just really increase that revenue and, and kind of get that notoriety again.
0: Yeah, no, I, I couldn't agree more. And you, you've really raised some good points about um, the issues with U sports. Whereas I find I more just complain you you've, you've kind of steered me in a direction where I do think that they need to Focus on the marketing instead of the parody issue because with the marketing, the parody issue will kind of resolve itself. So, absolutely. you've made some really good points, and you've 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 written some articles on it. You said so. Where where can we and slash the young viewers? Where can they find your articles? What's the website?
1: Uh, persevere Persevere is spelled P-R-S-B-R-E dot com. Uh, follow follow us on Instagram at persevere underscore. Um, so yeah, that's where the articles are. Also, Persevere podcast. I'll probably have you on the podcast when they speak, you know, go back and forth. Yeah. <laughs> for sure, but for sure. um, yeah, Persevere Podcast is available here on Anchor, um, Apple Podcasts, as well as Spotify. So if you ever want to take a listen to that, it's there. So I'm going yeah. to check that out today for sure. And then, Deshaun, the
0: last thing I have for you is just what's your, what's your take-home message for young athletes who they don't only want to get next level and, and play football or whatever sport, but they want the self-development stuff, the, the, the professional development stuff. What, what's your take-home message for them?
1: My take-home message, oh, man, I really love to preach that. It's really cliche, you know, that we hear this nowadays. There's a big LeBron James slogan, more than just an athlete. you got to be more than just an athlete. Don't be afraid to be more than just an athlete. Um, I remember when I was an athlete in my first and second year of university, my life was just football, football, football. And I was so scared to take on other responsibilities outside of the sport. Um, but it's really important as athletes, Whether you're male, female, um, no matter what your ethnicity is, anything, really learn how to build your life outside of sports. Um, Learn how to really find your interests outside of sports because that window doesn't last forever. And Mm -hmm. even if you play it to its max, even if you go on to play pro, that window only lasts 11, 12 years and not everyone reaches that, right? We already know about that. That's the
0: case, yeah.
1: Yeah. So really take advantage of this opportunity when you're in university. To find your passions and and work on your passions you know when you're off the court or not in the weight room or off the field uh, it'll pay off in the long run so um and also take advantage of the resources that your university is offering you i mean like a lot of these schools that we go to uh, we don't realize it but once we leave we realize that hey we were going to some of the best institutions in the world you yeah. know um and and it's and we kind of regret the idea that well obviously i don't regret like because i i made a conscious effort to make use of all of our resources, but yeah. a lot of people regret um, not making use of all the resources that they had an the opportunity to. So like, please, like if I could talk to any young athlete out there, once you get to university or college, wherever you choose to go, um, really just don't be afraid to make a life for yourself outside of sports and make an identity for yourself so that when you make that transition, you're comfortable and you're happy. And there isn't really any if ands, or buts about who you are. Or at least you have some type of direction in your life of where you want to go. I
0: couldn't agree more, man. You're, you're a super impressive, uh, super impressive talker. And I, I really, uh, I guess with your degree, eh, it makes sense. I just want to <laughs> thank you for your time. And, I'd, uh, you know, if you want to have me on your podcast, let's do it. But I'll, I'll, definitely, uh, I'll definitely be having you back in the future.
1: Yeah, definitely. No, Zach, I just want to say thank you for your time. Thank you for the opportunity. Love to have you on the podcast one day. Now that I know how to use Anchor and actually, you know, you know do podcast through distance i uh, love to have a conversation with you sometime and, you know, continue this. So just thank you for your opportunity. And I love what you're doing, bro. Keep doing what you're doing. And, and I know I'm definitely, I'm definitely supporting you. So keep doing what you're doing, brother. Same to you. Likewise,
0: this was season two, episode 18 of athletic insights. We're out.